0: Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And today on this February 22nd, we are going to be breaking down the Oregon defensive line, kind of give our thoughts on what happened in 2020, some positives, some negatives, some questions that we have, and then give you guys our expectations, our prospects of this position group Going into the 2021 football season. But first, right now, before we dive into this show, we want to remind you guys we're running a promo right now, and it's probably the best promo we've run all year. We will run all year uh, on duckterritory.com. 50% off an annual VIP membership, inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the 24 7 Sports Network. You get access to someone like myself, Eric, Kevin, our national guys. Uh, exclusive recruiting coverage Uh, the ducks are recruiting the number one player in the country right now for the 2021 recruiting class his decision will be made here in the next couple weeks months time and he will join a football school for the 2021 football season the ducks are in the thick of it you don't want to miss out on that but what makes this deal so special is you also get cbs all access immediately available to you for free Uh, commercial free CBS all access subscription typically starts when uh, your promo is over. You have to, if you sign up for an annual on a, on a discount, you have to wait a year to get CBS all access, but it's free. We've given it to you right away. Live sports, TV shows, on-demand movies, on-demand shows, all of it commercial free, highly encourage you guys to sign up. Okay, Eric. um, Defensive line for the ducks in 2020 was one in which I felt like this was probably Oregon's most established, probably the most talented position group Oregon had and deepest position group that they had going into the 2020 season because Jordan Scott was back for his fourth year as a starting nose tackle. Austin Folio was back for his fourth year with the program He'd been a starter off and on his first couple of years for the Ducks and then really kind of solidified himself in that role at the end of the year, end of the tail run of his career. Kayvon Thibodeau was back. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year on defense uh, in 2019. And then you had guys like Brandon Dorless, Popo Amave, Christian Williams, Keon hudson all who had big moments during the 2019 season. Uh, Popo had good moments before that as well. And so the expectation was that this was going to be a unit that maybe was the best in the Pac-12 and one of the better defensive line units in the country.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that was interesting with that position group was you had your starters back, and you felt really, really good about those three guys. And you had Popo, and you felt really, really good about him. And you had Brendan Dorliss. So you had those five guys, I'd say. And then it really was, I remember talking about it going into fall of like, can they get six, seven and eight? And I think that was maybe a question that like, I think Christian Williams very clearly challenged Jordan Scott throughout the season. So you can say they had six. I don't know if they got to seven and eight guys, honestly, like I look and I go, Braden Swinson had some moments in 2020. I think Keon Ware Hudson had some moments in 2020. Other than that, no one else really played like, or played a sizable role. So, um, this was a group, you're right, that had some established depth going into 2020. We saw that pay dividends. Obviously, we know what Kayvon was capable of. It was an up and down season for Kayvon, right? We saw, you know, even games where he made plays. The expectation is so high for him. And so early on in the season, it was, wow, he hasn't had a sack yet. I don't think he got his first sack until the fourth game of the season against Oregon State. And so people felt it was, uh, you know, underwhelming. But if you dug deeper and you looked at some of the stuff he was doing on rundowns, uh, some of the, you know, when the stats don't show, some of the plays he impacted on passing downs, I think you got a better feel for how he played. And then obviously at the end of the season, really took a big step that I thought he played really well against Cal, obviously played really, really well against USC, winning the Pac-12 Conference Championship Defensive MVP Award. Um, So you had that kind of consistency from Kayvon. Other than that, like, I think Folly was probably, you'd say, was their second-best defensive lineman, and I'd say probably Dorless was honestly your third um, throughout the course of the season. And now going into 2021, there there are some question marks, I think, in terms of what this group will look like. But I think the, the key part from what we learned in, in 2020 was I, I thought just that Kevin Thibodeau is no longer a sack-only, pass-down-only kind of specialist. He's somebody who can really impact a game on first and second down, on downs where the other team is going to be running the football. And I thought that was maybe the most impressive and important development we saw for from an individual perspective with KT, but probably for the unit as a whole because you go into 2021 now feeling like he is a complete package, and you know exactly what you have there. You have probably the best, if not one of the best, defensive linemen on the west coast and probably frankly in the entire country
0: yeah Thibodeau has a long list of achievements during the 2020 season he was the Morris trophy winner that is voted on um, by Pac-12's offensive linemen as the best defensive lineman Uh, they also do that offensively the D lineman vote in the league Uh, he won that for the defensive side of the football for the Pac-12 Uh, High praise from his peers. He was an FWAA, Football Writers Association of America, All-American second-team member, the Athletic All-American second-team member, Phil Steele, All-American second-team, AP All-American third-team, Pac-12 championship game MVP. He was the AP Pac-12 All-Conference first-team member. The coaches voted him as well as an All-Conference member to the first-team. This was a guy that, like you said, as a freshman was looked at as a, as a rush specialist and has turned into more than that and can be heavily relied upon to stuff the run a, a lot on, you know, not just a pass rushing elite guy. Um, one interesting thing that to watch was towards the end of the year in 2020, it really felt like a changing of the guard because yeah. Jordan Scott and Austin Folio's playing time seemed to dip and considerably more for Jordan Scott than Austin's. Um, as we saw Brandon Dorless, we saw Christian Williams. Uh, I, I believe Christian Williams got the final two starts of the season at nose tackle ahead of Jordan Scott. Um, for whatever reason, Scott's play towards the end of the year, and quite honestly, you don't want to be too harsh, but – his whole senior year was not what we normally would expect from him that we saw of the first three years uh, at that position, which was strange, but makes you maybe go into 2021 thinking maybe the options that they had behind Jordan going into 2020 are capable and good enough to continue the trend of Oregon being stout up front.
1: Yeah. I mean, if there's a positive thing from that whole thing, it's that, you now have Christian Williams along with Popo Amave who have a lot of experience playing nose tackle. And we, we haven't mentioned it yet. We should note that we don't have a total clarity in terms of what Tim DeRuiter wants to do defensively. Like He's run through some stuff, but we haven't seen them like line up and set. You know, we haven't seen them set up. We haven't learned if maybe some of the responsibility from position to position might change. And I bring that up just to say that I feel like if Andy Avalos was the defensive coordinator still, I would say, boy, you'd have a heck of a, competition battle between Christian Williams and Popo Amave for that starting nose tackle spot. But we don't know exactly if there's a difference, too much of a difference between a Tim DeRuiter front and a Andy Avalos front. And I do wonder if maybe he comes in and says, Hey, actually, I kind of like Popo Amave better as a strong side defensive end, or I kind of like Christian Williams better as a strong side defensive end. And that frees up one of these other spots. I mean, because one of the things he did say was that they, you're going to expect to see Kayvon Thibodeau, standing a little bit more and if that's the case and say Thibodeau is is playing more of an outside linebacker kind of stud sort of role primarily in 2021 that frees up a spot up front so I bring it up just to say like I think my analysis on on uh Christian Williams sort of rise and prominence to, to to kind of becoming a starter starting caliber interior lineman I I expect Oregon will have two very high you know To experience and high-end players in Amabe and Williams pushing for that spot, but I just think it's worth noting. And we probably need to kind of just in in general with this conversation here before we get into spring practice, kind of say, we think this is how these positions are going to shake, shake out and shape up and what they look like, but there is new leadership on the defense and we can't say with 100%, you know, certainty and confidence that there isn't some sort of personnel adjustments made because of the, the, you know, because of who is the defensive coordinator, Oregon, that kind of thing typically does happen. And I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if everything looks exactly or very similar to what we'd expect, but I'll, I also kind of go into spring going, I wouldn't be surprised either if we see kind of guys moving around a little bit playing spots, we didn't really anticipate they would.
0: True freshman Braden Swinson played in all seven games for the ducks in 2020 Brandon Dorless, was a guy that got in on all seven games for Oregon, even started one for the Ducks. Popo Amave played in five during the 2020 season. He did not start. Christian Williams played in all seven. He was given also uh, two starts in that game. And then Keon Ware-Hudson played in all seven games for Oregon uh, for, during the 2020 football season. Beyond that, uh, Suavi Poti did not play. He has played just One game in his career Jason Jones uh, Four-star defensive tackle 6'6", 3'10", massive human being A lot of expectations for him Maybe to be a diamond in the rough Instant impact potential guy in 2020 He did not see the field at all Uh, Was not dressed for a lot of the games as well Um, Jake Shipley Another freshman defensive lineman He did not play And then uh, uh, Mikhail Efezi He did not play either Along the defensive line So you've, you've got probably Um, Real quick, just to do the math, you've got five guys, if you don't count Kayvon Thibodeau, like you mentioned, possibly moving positions. You've got five guys coming back in 2021 with a position, with experience along the defensive line. We should also note Jalen Smith. uh, He was a highly regarded recruit coming out of the 2020 class. He played offensive tackle for the Ducks in 2020 but Mario Cristobal said before the year even started he would play tackle but then move over to the defensive side of the football for the 2021 season because of depth purposes so is is there enough depth let's let's just assume that they still have three down linemen is there enough depth Eric for you based off what we saw in 2020 who's coming back who's being added into the mix Keanu Williams signed with Oregon uh, in the 2021 recruiting class. Is there enough depth for you to feel confident that they, that they can get through a year, a full year with what they have, or is that going to be a concern going into the year? I,
1: I think it has to be at least somewhat of a concern, at least somewhat notable that you have, and Matt ran through it. You've got five guys who played, well, six, if we cl- include KT because I don't know exactly how we want to handle him. I think he, We'll play both with a hand down. I think he'll stand up at times to provide some versatility. And in doing so, we'll provide, I think, a little bit more playing time for some of these guys on the outside. Like I think Braden Swinson probably, or maybe a Brandon Dorlis, one of those two guys is the primary beneficiary of KV, KV, you know, KV KT, uh, playing outside linebacker. Just because those two guys are, are players that are, have played that position before. Um, you know, so I, I think if, if we see more of Thibodeau as an outside linebacker, you now have five guys. Let's just say he is one. And I, and I don't know if that's it in stone or not, but you just not, you have five guys coming back who have played um, at all. And I think you'd like to see, I think you can get away with six to seven to maybe eight guys playing. Right. Like three, nine would be great. That means you have like kind of three deep, but you know, you have three guys at each of the three defensive line spots available. Um, this is going to come down to, okay, what is a Suave Poti? What can he do? What about Jake Shipley? What about um, Mikhail Afisi? What about Keanu Williams? What about Jason Jones? What about Jalen Smith? What about a late addition that Oregon might make? You know, we talked about it in previous podcasts. They're still recruiting JTT, the number one rated prospect in the entire country, the top defensive lineman in the entire country in 2021. Um, Can they possibly end up adding him to this group? And what would that do? That would completely alter a lot of this. You would then have to kind of throw out the whole, you know, how you restructured this. But that's kind of, that's not clear that's going to happen. So we can't speak with that with any kind of certainty. But with the guys they have back, I really think between, again, Poety Jones, Shipley, Effici, Smith, and Williams, you need to see about three of those guys step up and be ready to play. And it's kind of hard to know exactly what you've got from this group because they haven't shown up on the field. And a lot of these guys are highly regarded prospects, people that people were in the industry, recruiting industry were really high on. I mean, I know Jason Jones, we talked a lot about his upside. Um, Same thing with the facey as somebody that Oregon, you know, a lot of people were kind of making moves on towards the end of his recruiting recruitment back in 2020. There was a lot of upside and enthusiasm. I think we at 247 sports bumped him up to a four star late just because he'd shown well at the, at a couple of different, you know, uh, re- you know, recruiting events late. So like, like there are guys certainly that people feel really, really good about or feel like there's upside for, we just haven't seen it. So like that, that's where I go. And, and I think from a, just a, if KT's playing outside linebacker perspective, I, I feel pretty good if you're just going to say in some order, your three is Dorales, Amave and Christian Williams. Like I, those are three guys who played really well at times, either in 2019 or 2020, I think Amave played his better football towards the end of 2019, I think Williams and Dorless clearly were on the rise in 2020. But the, my concern really just becomes, like, what do you have after that, especially if KT's playing outside linebacker? And, um, I mean, we're going to talk about linebackers next week, but I just kind of go, like, if KT's going to play outside linebacker, like, is there somebody right now playing stud that you can move to defensive line? Um, do you want to make some movements here to kind of fill this out a little bit? I don't know, but... I look at this group and think there are a lot of really intriguing young guys, but we're going to need to see at least two to three or four of them kind of make a step here for this group to feel complete, I guess.
0: When – let's assume KT is – there's a couple of directions we could go here, um, projecting things out. Mm -hmm. They go to a 4-3 defense, and I think if they go to a 4-3, KT is probably a D-end, right? like he's not outside linebacker. Yeah, that's, let's assume that. So if they go 4-3, he's back to the D-line. How does that now change the perspective of this unit? Because I, I you look at this and you think, okay, KT is probably one of the defensive ends. Christian Williams is probably one of the starting de- defensive tackles. Do you go Popo Amave as the other one? Do you go Keon Ware-Hudson as the other one? Does Braylon Dorless slide in? Does he stay on the outside? The thing right. I like the most about Oregon's D-line, while there's a ton of questions of where they move, I will say this, whether it's a 4-3 or even if it's a 3-4 defense, their D-line is made up of a ton of guys that seem to have versatility, position versatility. They can play multiple spots. They can have guys inside and they can have guys outside. Maybe that's a a, a, a negative against the run, but I think in the Pac-12 – it really feels like they have a lot of interchangeable parts, and that's a positive in my eyes. I'm with you. I mean, I think the thing that's exciting is, that from a
1: body type perspective, they're all like six two to six four, two eighty five to three ten. I mean, they, they they really do all follow kind of similar kind of body types, and you know, with the exception of I think Braden Swenson who's a little bit smaller. Um, they're all they're all kind of in that size, and. I, 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 get, I, I personally, I, I'm really high on what Brandon Dorless can become. And I'll be very curious to see where his best spot becomes. You know, I mean, he played some nose tackle. He played both defensive end spots last year. Depending on what Kayvon Thibodeau does, there's probably even more room for some movement. So, like, I'm really high on him. I, I've already said I, I like Christian Williams above Popo based upon what we saw last year. And I really liked what we saw from Braden Swinson and Keon War Hudson. It's kind of smaller roles. So like I'm I'm really enthusiastic about this group of guys. Again, I I just want to see what they can get. And like in a best case, maybe in a best world, maybe you got a guy like Jason Jones who like emerges and this is your biggest defensive lineman by a pretty good amount. I mean, you said he's six, six, three, ten. If he could emerge and take over Maybe they find he's best in the middle of the defense as your nose tackle. You've got a huge guy in the middle there, and then you've got all of these similar-sized bodies kind of rotating around him at the defensive end spots. And that allows you to play on some downs. You know, your weak side and your strong side are both 290 and above when you're trying to be really, you know, kind of get real physical at the line of scrimmage on a run play. And then on the next play, you can kind of go Braden Swinson, who's – 265 on one side and doorless, maybe on the other side, who has been really good on passing downs. And I just think you're right. I think the versatility is great. I think the thing I want to see is if someone really emerges at nose tackle takes complete ownership there. And that kind of, and just says, Hey, I'm your, I'm going to play this position, all three downs. And that just kind of opens things up a little bit more to get a little bit more creative on the outside. Cause I do think going into, into fall, that's the position that I kind of have, I guess, least confidence with assuming that KT is, is playing well, just assuming that KT plays whatever spot entirely and there's no rotation around him, I guess.
0: I think we're all both you and I, and probably duck fan as well are really hoping that Jason Jones is that guy that emerges for D line at nose tackle. Like it it really feels like from a long-term big picture perspective, it would go a long ways for this program's roster management if and i'm not saying in 2021 he needs to be an all conference player or even a starter but it just feels like the way the roster is made up if he can emerge in 2021 as someone that's reliable to play on a consistent basis and then if need be go into 2022 as the starter at that position it feels like everything else could fall into place because he is the one. Like Popo Amabe is, he's a big dude. He's six three. He's two ninety. Christian Williams is a big dude. He's six three, like two two ninety two or something like that. Jason Jones is six foot six, three hundred and like fifteen pounds, and looks like he could easily put on twenty five more pounds of muscle and still keep uh, a relatively similar frame that he has right now. Um, it feels like he's the one that like from a a physical standpoint could really change the entire dynamic of the D line in the inside, if he kind of emerges and he's maybe kind of one of the wild cards of what could happen for this defense going into the 2021 football season. Because remember he had everybody in the sec after him, Alabama really loved him. And then he got hurt just before his senior year and needed to, Uh, go through some rehab and change his body and schools backed off because they weren't sure how his rehab was going to go. Oregon stuck with him and he emerged as just a physical specimen coming out of that rehab process.
1: Yeah. He's, he's the biggest wild card on the team. And I I hate to bring this up, but I think if you're just looking at this wild card, there's no position. uh, Without question, there's no position group out there that has a, bigger theoretical wild card than the possibility of JT Two allowed joining the defense. And I just think we have to at least acknowledge it. Like before until he makes a decision and, and says either I'm going to Oregon or I'm not going to Oregon, his name is going to loom regarding any conversation with this group, because if he's with the team, he's, he's going to start, I, I think, or he's going to at least be right there. He's going to, we talk about this depth concerns. You, he eliminates at least a little bit of that. Um, because you bring him in, and, and again, we've seen now, you bring in these top recruits, and sometimes, you know, Kayvon Timbadoe didn't spit right away. Noah Sewell didn't start his first game. Justin Flo got hurt last year, so that's kind of weird circumstances to kind of wade through. But, like, sometimes you sign these guys, and they don't come in and contribute right, uh, right away. But I think he would come in, and at the very least, he is in Noah Sewell's spot to start 2020, where he is, maybe he's behind a, I don't know, let's say, Keon Ware Hudson or a Popo Amave or somebody like that but by week three or four he pushes past. I just think we have to just at least acknowledge the fact that I think this defense looks potentially a lot different depending upon what they get with him if they do get him and if they don't get him I still look at this and think this can be one of the better defensive fronts in the conference Um, I think this is there's a ton of upside and especially when you include we've talked but KT kind of moving around spots, but like if we just include the entire front seven group here and you just talk about the, the dynamic athletes they have at linebacker and at, on the defensive line, like you should be really, really excited about this group. I just think the possibility of including a JTT to this, you talk about a, a, you know, a front seven you would have four of those seven guys potentially being former five-star recruits, which is just unparalleled. Uh, you know, Oregon has never had anything like that before. So I, I just think it's worth acknowledging. We're talking about guys on the roster. This is where Oregon's at right now. But because of a player like JTT still being out there and because Oregon is one of the – I don't want to say they're in the lead for him, but they're one of the finalists, and they're, they're certainly one of the schools that has a real shot at landing him, that sort of does have to shape some of the conversation around this group, I think.
0: What, let's wrap this show up here with this question because i i think going into 2020 in a normal off season like before seems so long ago before covid was covid and we it's had been almost a of, year it's
1: been <laughs> almost a year by the way it's been almost a year it's crazy
0: before we had any kind of inkling that the 2020 season would be any different than what we've become a y- accustomed to um we were thinking that this Oregon D line with a traditional off season with everyone opted in on defense uh, with everything that comes with an off season was going to be one of the best defensive lines in the country. I don't know if we can say that about Oregon's 2021 defense going into the year from a national, you know, being a top five D line in the country. I think it helps tremendously that they have Thibodeau Thibodeau being on this D line will instantly give them a ton of success um, because so much attention is going to go towards him, which will free up everyone else to make plays. Um, And then Thibodeau has shown in 2020 that he can handle that attention and still make the plays that are needed. So my question is this. Is this defensive line, Do they as they're currently constructed, let's assume that they're a 3-4. Let's assume that Kayvon Thibodeau is is attached to this defensive line unit because until we know otherwise, we can't – do too much speculating. Is this the best D line in the pac 12? And if they're not, can they get there? Oh, they have the
1: best defensive linemen in the pac 12. I think that's pretty easy to say. I, I think the group as a whole, I, I need to see more. I mean, I mean like the reality is I like a lot of these pieces, but I think aside, you know, you take out Thibodeau starts. I think what Dorless has one Popo has a couple and Williams has a couple. Like they probably have a combined half dozen starts between Everyone besides Thibodeau returning. Actually, I, let me see how many Popo has. Because if Popo doesn't have more than a couple, he's then we're below six. Um, so yeah, and I mean this is a group that does not have a ton of starting experience back. So I have a hard time saying like, like yeah, they're the best defensive line in, in the conference. I think having Thibodeau there immediately means you're in the conversation. Like he provides that instant credibility. And anytime you're like, who has the best uh, defensive line group? Well. Thibodeau's the best guy in the conference by a mile so they have to at least be in the conversation. I just think I think they they don't enter this the season or the off season I guess kind of carrying that mantle just because I, there's not enough known yet, you know, and but I do think the upside remains there for them to get to that place and I, the sad thing is Sad maybe isn't the right word, but the interesting thing is I think if you were to add JTT to this group, I would, I could maybe make the argument you could just because of the high end nature of a player like that. I, I just think we still don't know. Like I think Dorless is going to be a star. And I think Christian Williams showed some signs of being something like that. I just don't know if I look at this group and think like there's enough nasty guys who've proven to be that kind of player yet. Aside from those two and, and Thibodeau. And I think Popo and times in 2019, maybe I'm a little too low on him. I just didn't think he played that well in 2020. Um, this is going to be a big off season for those guys to kind of step up because I just think it's hard to say like, like if the, arg- the argument is what you've got the top defensive lineman, but then maybe you have, maybe Dorless is like the eighth, 10th best. I would need to look for the conference more closely. Like, like how, wh- what's, what's the Oregon's second, who's the Oregon's second best lineman and kind That's of like, good point. where do they rank? Pro- probably not near the top. So it's hard for me to be like, they're the best.
0: I think they have the potential to be there. I think they're probably in the upper half of the conference for sure. Um, I would agree. Yes. I feel very strongly about that. I think I get to some questions of are they really in the top three? I would probably like first, like you, I want to look at the conference a little bit more, but my first inkling would be to have Oregon, USC, and Washington in some kind of order um, along the D line in, included in that. Um, is Oregon one? I don't know. I think you can make a case together too, being in there. I think Utah always has a good D line as well. Um, I think we have to look at the off season, and that needs to be factored into 2020's production as well. They did not have a traditional off season. I think having one going into the 2021 football season will do will do a world of a difference for Oregon's defensive line next season. And I I just think to wrap it up, this unit has maybe the best defensive lineman in the country in Thibodeau. And it would be a bigger surprise if they aren't the league's best defensive line for me, than if they actually get to that accomplishment. So I'm expecting them to be there. Uh, That's going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast, recapping the defensive line. We'll have a basketball centric show on Tuesday. We've penciled that in. We've written it in ink. We're committing to it. We're not going to change unless <laughs> some breaking news thing happens again. Damn it. But we're going to get a basketball one in. Uh, we'll have the mailbag on Wednesday. And then we'll also wrap up uh, the, the week with a Friday edition of the show as well. And until we talk to you then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast.
1: Talk to you later, folks.